What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Good to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbals. I don't know, within me spilling a beer on him in studio here. Connor Clark, back from the suburbs of Chicago. And find us all on Twitter, and let's recite the Twitter handles at Schmidt underscore radio, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal, and then... I'll say it slowly for Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore 27. One day he's going to just get PO'd at us and change his Twitter handle. How about you turn your mic on, cowboy? I pressed the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> it's been too long. It's been a long couple weeks. It's been, it's yes, been it a long, a long month. I started class with uh, the professor for the first time today, and you already know I got flack for that in front of the entire class. So, so Bill Dolman was was hazing you in class today. Yeah, he wrote an F on the whiteboard for me. Because I have too many underscores. It was my... F underscore F <laughs> underscore yeah. F. And he also thinks he got mad at me because he doesn't think the Cubs-Brewers rivalry is real. So that's another reason why he's upset with me. Well, you know, I just just bring him an apple every day. And, uh, again, it's at the end of the day. and uh, <laughs> He said he was going to make it hard. So Yeah, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll do that, but it'll get you right. Guys, good to have us all together. Good to see you. Good to see you in person, Connor. Uh, I, I saw Connor on, uh, on Sunday. Did you? Yeah. He ran over to my house and uh, picked up a couple screwdrivers, which I still have yet to see back. No. Well, how, does, how does he pour them? I mean, are they too heavy with the orange juice? Or? You know, uh, different kind of screwdrivers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second. I was like, what are you talking about? It was good. I like that. I don't know what you guys are worried about. <laughs> the tools or the drink? <laughs> Come on now. I saw Connor this morning, and he was over to get a couple of screws. What do you want me to do with that? Yeah. You just lobbed him a, a slow ball right down the middle. We are, are loaded up. We'll spend time with Mitch Sherman. Mitch from The Athletic going to be with us here in about uh, 15 minutes or so. Hour two, we'll check in with Eric Warfield, Husker great and Kansas City chief. Uh, nine years in the NFL, also a year with the Patriots. Had a chance to spend time with uh, Edub a little bit earlier and uh, do a video stream and as he calls it, his batch pad. So uh, Eric Warfield will recap some bussing with the boys highlights. We're big fans of Will Compton. He's been on the show from time to time and uh, always uh, appreciate him and just what, what him and, uh, and uh, Luan do with bussing. Uh, so they caught up with Coach Matt Rule. At least it was dropped today. The guys want to start off with recruiting and Nebraska just stays hot, and uh, they stay in Texas. As uh, no, actually they don't. They they go to Nashville. They go to Nashville this time. Texas is on my mind with all the work Nebraska's done. But Demetrius Bell made his announcement a little bit earlier today. 
uh, 11 Central, noon Eastern, in Music City. Demetrius Bell, a 6'1", 175 wide receiver. And he's a, he's a pretty interesting target. You look at his height, and uh, I really like Sam McEwen's comp for him. You guys remember Jamal Turner. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jamal Turner. And I think of Jamal Turner against Michigan State. I think of Jamal Turner, uh, the infamous Kenny Bell destruction of Wisconsin defensive back. That was kind of a, a jailbreak screen to, to Jamal Turner. And Jamal Turner was one of those just quick, electric, jerky, twitch guys that he wasn't the fastest, but he was fast enough. But it was all about how he could make guys miss. And, and I know Jamal ended up uh, hurting his Achilles and was always, I think, wanting to, to get more of a look at quarterback. But the, the few times he got touches, he, he wowed, and even in the spring game. So Jamal Turner's kind of on my list of underutilized Huskers of all time, what, what he could have been. But what you got from him was, was impressive in those small doses. Anywho, well, well, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think I remember you talking to Jamal Turner on signing day way back when. I remember that show. I remember driving home from school that day and listening to you. And I remember correctly, (laughs) there was discussions at the time whether or not he'd play receiver or quarterback. Yeah, receiver or quarterback. He was recruited as a, I mean, I think he was recruited as an athlete and he was a four-star athlete and he was a a, a kind of a shotgun tempo quarterback out of Texas. Mm -hmm. And and I, I think, Jamal may be from the Arlington area. I got to double check that. But no, we talked to Jamal Turner. What was that? 2010 signing day, 2011 signing day, 100 years ago. But he saw time as, as a wide receiver. To the here and now with Demetrius Bell. Bell's a guy that uh, was at Michigan State, was committed to Michigan State in June, uh, and, and then kept fielding offers. I, I believe. Uh, Uncle Ted is uh, Gilmore is is the receivers coach at Michigan State, Nebraska's former wide receivers coach. Gilmore was at Wisconsin for a while, but you have uh, you have more offers that came in. Took an unofficial to Georgia, also got an official visit to Kentucky. So I like those programs. I like what those programs has have produced at wide receiver. I like just kind of the hard edge those programs have. Uh, at Michigan State, at, at Georgia, at Kentucky. And uh, you have Coach Satterfield saying we need more receivers. Well, Nebraska's gone hot and heavy with wide receivers just in the last two weeks with Kemp, with Betts, with Gar- Garcia, Castaneda. Now you get Bell. You get Jeremiah yesterday as a wide receiver from Arlington. So that wide receiver room's bulked up. It's built up. I, what do I count now? 17 or 18 wide receivers. Not that many can stay in the room. But I think your count is up to 37 portal and high school additions. And I don't know if Nebraska's done yet or not for February 1st. But this is what you get. He's a make-you-miss guy. Has the ability to get deep. Pretty decent size, hovering right around that six foot. But uh, Nebraska able to go into Nashville and, and get a four-star guy that some some pure programs or, or programs you want to be back like seven and five, eight and four, nine and three, eleven and two in Michigan State's case with that great year. Uh, but that's to me going after those kids that uh, th- those programs like 
they 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 recruit a certain blue collar type of ball player. And, and I'm all for that if I'm Nebraska. And when I look at Demetrius Bell, I, I see him as a blue-collar type of guy because you look at the offensive stats, 1,000-plus receiving yards. I think it was 17 or 18 touchdowns his senior Kinda year. Kind of did running back and receiver. Running Could back do and both. receiver. But let's also not forget, he did a lot of time playing defense as well, played free safety for his high school team as well, and I, I believe had something like 40 tackles on this season. So when you think of a blue-collar guy, this is not some diva wide receiver that's afraid to take hits. He was playing free safety, coming over the middle and, and laying the boom on the defensive side. And, Anyone who plays both sides of the ball, even at the high school level, has my full respect. That takes a a different type of athleticism to be able to focus on two positions at once and excel at both and be very, very good at both. That that takes a different type of athlete, and that's why I think – I mean, similarly along those lines, while you see college coaches saying, well, we like multi-sport athletes, yeah, that's that's great and all, but I think what's a real testament to these guys is whenever they play both sides of the ball or or multiple sports is the fact that they're not spending their full time just doing one thing on the football field. They're athletic enough that they can go play basketball in the wintertime. They can play defense on the football team as well as being a wide receiver. They can go play baseball in the spring. It's not that they're giving their full time to football to be good. It's just that they're so generally athletic that they can be a division one guy while playing other sports and not spending their, their full time on football. That's what I think is really impressive about a guy like Demetrius Bells. As you said, he's blue collar and he does it all for that football team. Well, and I think too, if you go to specifically football, yeah, guys like to recruit multi-sport athletes, right? But if you could play wide receiver and free safety, I mean, that shows a coaching staff, it shows me at least, that you understand your opposition, right? And that can only help you go further at the collegiate level. And Something I do really like about the receivers that Rule has been able to get here is the size as well. And I think obviously getting Xavier Betts back was mm-hmm. a big deal. But the fact that you have not just good receivers, but big dudes lining up out there, obviously that helps with jump balls. That can get you big plays down the field. So uh, as you said, Schmitty, I don't know if they're done until February um, just yet, but a lot of new additions, and I know change can be scary, especially when you're trying to revamp a program, but um, I think what Rule and his staff have done so far has been really, really encouraging, and the fact that they haven't really missed on guys that they've been looking for too often in the month of January has been really impressive to see. But the, the question with this class, I'd say, is, is what does it look like in, in two years? What's your attrition rate? You look at all this talent coming in, you say, wow, all that talent's great, and I think the current mantra is, Let's get all the talent we can and worry about it later. But when it comes, you know, two, three years down the road, what does this class look like? That was the problem with Scott Frost at, at Nebraska is the attrition from all his classes where, you know what, you were lucky to have 50% of the guys still around two years after signing day. What does this class look like in two years? Is Matt Rule able to keep this class mm-hmm. together? Because I can say that he has been very impressive on the recruiting trail since taking over at Nebraska, but... A two-month relationship is just that. It's a two-month relationship. What does it look like 12 months down the road after you have a college football season under your belt and you've seen you know, what it actually is like on campus? What does it look like after that? That, that remains to be seen. But for now, I'm happy with where this class is at based on what Matt Rule has put together. If they were done today, which I don't think they are, I think you're happy with what he's put together. But the question becomes, what does it look like following this season or even later this summer? I, I think you're real excited just about the work that's put in you're supposed to do that with the price tag and the paycheck but you're seeing the work put in i think we're okay from a blind faith standpoint based on track record at buying in the it's not lip service they they love developing right mm-hmm. they, they they get into that uh part of their job as football coaches and yeah the attrition part has been a a big time issue for nebraska Listen, it's 
It turns out to be massive misses on the recruiting trail the last two coaches post-Polini. And part of that is because they weren't here to stay and get developed. For whatever reason, uh, there was grass that was greener somewhere else, and that's just kind of the the mindset, the era we are in, in in college football. Let's go get an NIL deal somewhere else or move on, or I'm used to being the guy, and there's too many kids that just either got told falsehoods or don't like the grind or can't adjust to the grind, and they'll eventually get it. It just won't be in Lincoln. Uh, with Nebraska, they continue to do work in Texas. We'll focus on that with Mitch Sherman and, and that's a really good starting spot for Nebraska. They've invested with Texas ties on their coaching staff, and that's turned into some results for Nebraska. Um, um, Matt chimes in, and he said, I wanted to see the roster get flipped like this. And, and Nebraska had to do what they did a year ago, right? You make some changes on the offensive side. Let's throw a... Hail Mary up and see if we can't save our jobs and get to a bowl game. Well, they didn't save their jobs per se, unless you're Donnie Raiola. But you did bring in some some needed talent, some different talent in the portal at quarterback and wide receiver and at running back. And, and Nebraska's done a, a nice mix of of portal potential, and then those guys they can get in, in high school, and hopefully the portal will bridge the high school so that development can happen. And if you trust who you're playing for, you're, who you're signing up with, you'll be all right. You'll, you'll put the work in, and you'll see the results, and then you'll get on the field, and hopefully, if you're a Nebraska fan, there's success. Pretty fascinated with, uh, and we'll have some comments from Coach Rule with Will Compton coming up with Bussin' with the Boys, uh, the podcast that came out today that, that featured Coach Rule. And guys, did you grow up playing ping pong? We had a ping pong table in my basement. Uh, We'd have to kind of dig it out, hope we wouldn't scrape the walls and then put it on top of the pool table. And there were some heated matches between Uncle Mark and myself. I will not get into uh, all-time records, (laughs) but let's just say ping pong's Ping pong's uh, going to show how competitive you are, but I like what Coach Rule talked about with uh, the Bussin episode, and that's, hey, guess what? They got to put their phone phone down and hang out with me. That's a reality. That's an absolute reality with with kids and and just getting their attention. I've got I deal with it in my own household. It's like that's just not to my kid. It's to my wife. Phones down. Let's have a family moment. They all roll their eyes. Well, see, it's uh, with my roommates. It's the same way where I, I say something and, oh wait, what'd you just say? I was looking at my phone. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, let me let me say that again. But uh, to answer your question, I was not a ping pong guy growing up. Actually, really, and I, I'm not sure why. Though. Maybe it's because we didn't have a ping pong table at home. Uh, but if you ever went anywhere that had one, oh, would yeah. you, play you had it? to get in a game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but I guess my grandpa had a, a pool table growing up, so I, I liked playing pool growing up. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm an old soul that way. No, I like pool too. It was, it was good. <laughs> I wish I was better at pool. I've I played way more ping pong because that's all. My, I've, it feels. Did like, you get into to junior high wagering? I mean, did someone leave your household? No, owing no. you five dollars or a pack of ball cards. No, that did not happen. But I, I could feel have been like, a sweet gambling den. 
It could have been. It could <laughs> Risky have been. business. My parents didn't let me g- gamble growing up. Well, I also didn't really have much money to speak of <laughs> yeah. growing up personally. It's all right. So. It's all right. I had dad's $20 bill to go to the high school football game. Uh-huh. That's about it. <laughs> and you use that to bet on Southeast to cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to protect the blind side. Put 20 down on the old Knights to cover. Hey, that was when they were winning state titles. It wasn't a bad bet back then. No, you, you did. That was that was good as we come full circle here with 2011. So, uh, Elijah Herbal, that's Connor Clark, Chris Schmidt. We will catch up with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, our sit-down with Eric Warfield. Some NFL thoughts, more on the Husker recruiting trail. As Hale Varsity continues, we're presented by Currency. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Connor Clark is in. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, what's a good word? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Schmidt? We're good. Let's turn the edition off here so Mitch can hear us with uh, the music unless you just want to jam to some Dr. Dre Mitch I mean you tell me what 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 works here you know I think I'm good to go the normal route but thanks for the <laughs> thank you <laughs> no worries there Mitch uh, pretty uh, pretty beneficial weekend for Nebraska let's start their reaction to uh, Nebraska on the recruiting trail with some of the additions and, and coach wager doing work with a couple of guys he's familiar with in Texas and, of course, another get from the state of Georgia. Yeah, three. Three from the state of Texas. You can't forget about Bob Wager's son, who will be coming to Nebraska as a walk-on athlete. But the uh, headliners from Arlington Martin are, of course, the two scholarship players, uh, tight end and a wide receiver from um, from that school in the middle of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex that Bob Wager has coached for the last 17 years and adding depth and talent to positions that Nebraska has identified and cashed in on late in this recruiting cycle. Um, in addition to, uh, in addition to the, the pickups yesterday, of course, there's Eric Gilbert, the big tight end, mm-hmm. um, extremely talented tight end from Georgia who jumped on board last week. And then we have Jacob Hood, the offensive tackle, six foot eight offensive tackle, also from Georgia, the third Georgia transfer from this cycle. And then today, Demetrius Bell, a wide receiver out of Nashville, Tennessee. So they just continue to hit some of the areas that were important for this staff to load up on in this recruiting process. Offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, defensive line earlier in the in the um, in the process. So, you know, right now you're looking at close to 40 newcomers 
on scholarship alone. That doesn't include the walk-ons who are set to join or already have joined this program in 2023. And Nebraska's not done. Uh, I'd expect maybe another one or a couple more before Wednesday when the the late signing period begins, and then there's another cycle of, uh, of transfer movement in May. So you're probably going to be looking at a roster that is halfway flipped um, in terms of the scholarship players by the time Nebraska kicks off in August. Mitch, what, what does history say about rule and roster flips? Uh, any, any data or clues uh, from, from Baylor and, and, and Temple? And I know they were both different situations than, than Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say significantly different in that Baylor, well, first of all, you didn't have the ability to bring in 40 scholarship players at either one of those places or anywhere in the country in 2013 and 2017 when he took over as a first-year coach in, in Philadelphia and in, and in Waco, Texas, because there is an initial counter rule of 25 newcomers in a in a given year, and that's a rule that has been waived this year um, as we still kind of get back to some semblance of normalcy or, or really what is the new normal in the wake of, of the extra year that was given to so many players or every player nationally in 2020. And then the transfer portal has changed so much, so much of this too. So we're in a two-year period where the initial counter rule has been thrown out, um, and that may be something that is permanently thrown out. We'll see. But what, what matters to Nebraska and Matt Rule this year is that it's not in play in 2023, so he's able to go over that 25, well over that 25, as Nebraska could have, could could have done to do, I believe, a year ago in in 2022. You know, Temple was was making a jump up in 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 conference um, w- with the competition that it was going against when he was in his first year there. So there was more than just the coaching change that was a challenge in in front of Matt Rule in, in 2013 and Baylor. Um, you know the situation there, yeah. coming out of of a major scandal, and and you know the 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 challenges that existed on the Baylor roster, both with recruit re- returning players, and in what Baylor had for the makings of a recruiting class when when he started there in in 2017, um, it, it was it was it's significantly different, um, much more daunting. Than, than what he faces here at Nebraska in 23. Mitch Sherman is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mitch, there are still some challenges with this job here at Nebraska. And I think the one a lot of fans are turning to right now is that, that scholarship limit of 85 with Nebraska being uh, over that over 100 as it stands right now. And I think that means there's going to be competition through winter conditioning and through spring ball. And as you look at it right now, where do you think there's going to be some, some serious competition as guys fight for, for roster spots come fall? Yeah, that's a challenge. Um, you know, you can also look at it as a luxury. I mean, you'd rather be 15 over the scholarship limit in January than, and, and really, the the limit is not imposed in January. There, and, and we're counting when when you get up to that number that you mentioned, Elijah. You know, we're counting players who aren't in school. We're counting players who are still in high school and who sign letters of intent in December, and and will do so next week too. So those. That's a projected number based on returning players and players who, who are signed to join the program. So Nebraska's not 
um, does not have 100 players on scholarship. It's 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 under that number. In fact, it's it's under the 85 for the players who are in the program here this spring. But you know, in projecting, I understand what you're saying, and it's it's um it's a uh, you know it's a situation that that they'll address. I think some of that will work out on its own with um, players understanding that their opportunities aren't going to be there at Nebraska. So you'll probably have maybe 10 who, who opt to leave after the spring without really any kind of nudging. Um, perhaps there, there, there will be an injury or, or two that, that crop up on a, on a normal basis and, and it could, could um, open a scholarship to get Nebraska closer to the 85. And then you have NIL as a factor in that too. And that's not to say that Nebraska is going to replace the scholarship of, of any player and, and give them NIL compensation in, in return, but it's an option. And, you know, if you get down to a place where you're at 87 or 88 uh, in, in July and you want to keep all of those players and you, and you want to be able to um, allow them to all have the same kind of financial freedom that, that, they, that they would if they're on scholarship, um, in today's world of college football with NIL, there's ways to, to work around that and, and, and to, to give a, a player uh, the equivalent of a scholarship through, through an NIL deal. Um, I, it's, it's something that I think is, is going to become prevalent in college football, and, and you, know, you may, in fact, see it at Nebraska this year. Um, in terms of competition, I mean, it's all over the field, really. Um, I'd look at wide receiver uh, to, to start with, just because of the sheer numbers that Nebraska's added in recent uh, weeks. I mean, you're up over 15 in, in terms of the wide receivers who are scheduled to be a part of this team, either in the spring or, or joining in the summer. And there are not that many spots for wide receivers in the rotation and, and, and likely even wide receivers on the roster. So there's competition right there for, uh, for, for spots. Um, I think there's a lot of competition in the defensive backfield. And, 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 and again, I, I, think, I think much of that will just work itself out um, in the way that it does at, at, at programs around the country that are that find themselves in a similar spot. Mitch, back to the recruiting trail real quick. There's been a lot of guys who've come from Georgia in the transfer portal. What do you make of those gets, and how important is it to get guys from a team like Georgia that has had so much success as of late? Yeah, you know, they're going to bring in an attitude where they don't accept anything less than – um, a team that expects to win every week, you know, just, just just to get a little touch of of that Georgia Bulldogs mentality in the Nebraska locker room. I, I it it can't be anything but but good. Um, those guys, those three, MJ Sherman and Eric Gilbert. Um, we talked about Jacob Hood, the offensive tackle, uh, a few minutes ago. You know, they've all been a part of national championship teams, and and two of them have been a part of national championship teams back-to-back national national championship teams. So, um, you know, what I make of it is is that Georgia has an – we talk about Nebraska being a competitive environment. The, the environment at Georgia is, is, is exponentially more competitive to the point where you can be a four-star prospect and who's, who's one or two years out of high school and the writing is on the wall that you've got to move on because um, – Maybe you haven't progressed in the way that it was expected, and there's a five-star guy coming in out of high school in this next class. You know who's who's going to be competing for a starting spot right away. So, 
Um, for these Georgia guys, Nebraska presents an opportunity to come somewhere where the competition for playing time is not quite as fierce or not nearly as fierce as it is in Athens, Georgia, but you still have a lot of the same luxuries that exist at a program like that when you consider the resources in Lincoln, the facilities, uh, the conference that Nebraska plays in, the coaching that they stand to receive with Matt Rule and his staff. So um, it's, it's not, a, not a surprise that Nebraska rates as an as a attractive destination for guys who are coming from a program like that. Mitch, you got about a minute here. Are we uh, road tripping to Kansas City this weekend? I'm not making a road trip to Kansas City for the AFC Championship game. No, um, I don't. I don't. I don't know that I would have been able to get my hands on tickets for that one. But I'll, I will certainly be watching that on TV. I can't wait to see Joe Burrow and, and Patrick Mahomes uh, square off yet again. Round two. That was kind of an, an invite, but didn't want to be real weird. Live on the radio. <laughs> You're inviting me to go to Kansas City for the weekend. Sorry, maybe I missed the. the, the no, uh, I just the I said but, I said are we going yes, to Kansas I'll, City? I'll accept. I'll happily go. Thank you so much. I can't wait. When do well, I don't. Leave? I don't have anywhere to sit. I can get us a tailgate. Uh, oh, no, spot. He, he's got this interesting plan. It's been well documented on Twitter. He's going to go stop by some banks on his way to Kansas City, like that one <laughs> Chiefs fan, Chiefsaholic. Wow. <laughs> Wear the wolf well, suit. Let's just go down there and get some barbecue and and find a bar where it's warm. Because I think it's going to be cold. Yes. Um, out in the seats at Arrowhead. I mean, I, I would take it. I would gladly go. Okay. But you know, some barbecue and, and a front row seat in front of a big screen to watch uh, watch that clash. It's uh, you know you got Zach Taylor and Cam Taylor Britt on one yeah. side, and it's uh, can't wait, can't wait for that one and and the, and the other one too. Well, Mitch, maybe maybe we'll uh, we'll put a, a plan together. Thanks for jumping on today, and always love uh, chatting ball with you. All right, good to talk to you guys. Take care. All right. Mitch Sherman with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. We'll hear what Will Compton had to say uh, with his sit-down with Matt Rule. More to come. Eric Warfield is next hour at Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10. $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Coming up, Eric Warfield. Thoughts on the Chiefs from a Chief. Eight years with Kansas City. Burrow and Cincy will talk with uh, Coach Jimmy Burrow this week as well. Uh, Joe's proud papa and, of course, uh, longtime Husker. So that's on the way. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and Connor Clark. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. can email chris at hailvarsity.com. can spend more time here on uh, Nebraska football and recruiting in this roster flip that uh, continues, and uh, does it concern you? Are you excited about it? Are you – let me know when two years has passed. 
uh, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark with who's here and how good is the football team. Comments from uh, Matt Rule with Will Compton coming up after Eric Warfield. And listen, just a couple of thoughts here on uh, more things that were said uh, with uh, with Matt Rule today in his sit down and the, the, the topic of, of slow burn, right? Matt Rule was pretty adamant about his plan, his vision for Nebraska. The eight years is for a reason, not, I mean, it's, it's security, right? You want that extra, that runway, but it's, it's more about doing it the right way versus concern about not getting enough time. I think that's important. And you saw it with Coach Frost where it was a seven-year deal, and then after, after year two, he got two more years added on by the Moose. And, uh, you know, it, it ended up being a, a healthy uh, thanks for trying, here's money, goodbye <laughs> type, type deal. But, you know, I think th- that's all on our minds right now is how soon can it happen for Nebraska. And it's similar to the Bengals, like with year one of, of the Bengals and Zach Taylor, two and 14, eh, not a good thing. You get Joey Heisman, you get Chase, you've built well defensively, and you have an identity. There was talk about Zach and, and is what's year two? You know, what's what's the leash look like in year two? And and they they do pretty well. Uh, you have a lot of the talking heads talking about legacy defining this weekend for Patrick Mahomes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> the, the fact that the guy has willed himself to play this weekend is defining enough for me. I know he's lost his last three against Cincy. I know they lost this year. Um, I know they lost in the AFC title game. Kind of a fluke upset. Not a fluke, but a surprising upset. With how that game went, it was all Cincy's defense. And then they lost in Cincinnati in the regular season in a bit of a shootout. There's just no answers. I don't think Kansas City has any answers this year. Cincy's 10 times better this year. They're really good defensively. They've got a run game. And uh, they're taking on a beat up and, and, and hurt Patrick Mahomes. How does The thing that's great about Mahomes is he'll always adapt and adjust. He's going to be fine. Uh, he's not going to be able to extend plays and be as magical with the wow highlight play, but he'll adapt enough with one leg, and and they'll still score some points. It's just Cincinnati's a better football team. I think they win uh, on on Sunday. We'll see if I'm way wrong or not. But you know, the, combining both of these things, you got the legacy of Mahomes here, and then trying to get back to some legacy defining teams for Nebraska. Pretty interesting couple of things. And, you know, I think by – I'm bullish. I'm buying stock in rule in Nebraska in year one. Not to win the league, but at least to finish better than they finished in a hell of a long time in the West. I think there's enough here. And then you sprinkle in some other ingredients. I think you'll get it. You've got a whole team, Elijah and Connor, that are sick and tired and not being anywhere in January. I mean, the kids that stick and stay – Want to want to win in in Lincoln, and, and I think he'll bring that out in them. Yeah, and when you look at like postseason on on Sunday for the Bengals and the Chiefs, it it comes down to essentially on Sunday. Both these teams are very talented teams. In my opinion, it comes down to who wants it more. 
which is a very cliche thing to say in sports. I know whenever you say, well, they wanted Who it more. Who wants it more? <laughs> so cliche it's to a say. T-shirt. But, but like, look at I mean, with, with Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense, if they have a day that's clean, free from mistakes, I can see them winning this game 100%. But then you, you look on the other side of the field and you go, with that Bengals defense, if they quote-unquote want it more, if they're able to generate some turnovers, they play with some fire, it sets up the, the Bengals offense in a, to have a, a very easy day, a very easy route to go beat this Chiefs offense. If the Chiefs offense shoot themselves in the foot, the Bengals can hand the ball off to that one-two punch of Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan all game long. They can bust off some gash runs, put up 150 scrimmage yards behind what's already a beat-up offensive line. It's what they've been doing all postseason long so far. And they have an easy route to victory. So I don't want to pull out the cliche, it's, it's who wants it more. But I think that's what Matt Rule is trying to build here at Nebraska, is that team that wants it more than the team on the other side of the ball. He's saying, you know what, we have talent here. I saw that in the game against Iowa. He said that today I'm, I'm busting with the boys. Ooh. As I saw, you have a locker room that has something. If you're able to go take down Iowa in Iowa City, and oh, not to mention the fact that Iowa had a chance at a Big Ten West crown if they were able to win that day. The fact that you're able to go pull that win off shows that you have a team that has some talent. Now it's about building a team that wants it more. And that's how I'm taking that the AFC Championship game, taking it back to Nebraska. It's 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 all in football. Who wants it more? And I know it sounds cliche, but the longer and longer I, I do radio, and the more and more I talk about football and watch football and become immersed in football. That is really what the sport mm-hmm. is about. It's who wants it more. There, there's talent, and how you get talent is by developing guys who want it, who want to be great, and then you put them on the football field, and they have to show that they want it more than the guy across from them. They're willing to do what the other guy isn't, mm-hmm. and they're the last man standing for the uh, better part of three and a half to four quarters. There's also the identity aspect, Connor, and, and Cincinnati has that. They have weapons. They're fun. They're talented, but they are absolutely comfortable just whatever it takes. If this is the plan, we're going to go to work with it. Short passes, run game, third and two all day, let our defense hang in. That's fine. Whatever. That's the formula for this week. Could be a different formula for, for Sunday. And I think rule, rule bringing in a formula of offensive and defensive line and then get some skilled guys, get that pipeline to Texas – um, it's it's nice. Uh, Brennan chimes in here. Do you guys remember back when everyone thought since he was dead, and there were even people thinking Taylor could be on the block? Oh, like what two and a half months ago? <laughs> yeah, I mean because they started three. They started with the uh, the the Super Bowl hangover, right? They started one and two, right? Something like that, or two and four. Then they got healthy, and then they were okay. I mean, Joe was still working the kinks out from the old. Uh, um, just getting getting back into it. Well, they, they kind of figured out what their offensive identity was, too, where they 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 said, you know what, we, we rode Joe Burrow in the postseason last year. It's almost like that's how they started the year this year is let's ride Joe Burrow some more. And then they kind of got in, back into what made them so good last year. So they're going to get under center. You're going to do a single back. You're going to hand it off to Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan, as you said. Get yourself to third and manageable, third and two, third and three, and let's throw a slant route to Jamar Chase. Good luck stopping that. Or let's throw a hitch route to T. Higgins. Good luck stopping that. They, they found what makes them successful. I mean, they just play with an unreal amount of confidence, especially Joe Burrow. I mean, the – did you see him last week, obviously, played phenomenal football? He's just oozing with confidence, and I agree. I think the Bengals have a really, really good shot in Kansas City, especially if Mahomes' ankle isn't at 100%, and he's, like, downgraded to an average NFL quarterback. Yeah, that he's injury. not dancing around. Uh, we'll wind down this first hour, our chat with Eric Warfield, his take on the Chiefs and the Huskers. 
And uh, thoughts from Coach Rule with Bussin on the way with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, and uh, Eric Warfield going to be with us here in uh, about 10 minutes or so. Reminder to get buckled up. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances? If you drink, don't drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We talked legacy a moment ago. Do you think this is a legacy game for Patrick Mahomes? And I scoff at that. So... If he still hadn't gotten to a Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl, we can go there, right? Because what do you what what do you hear people whining about from here to Texas? Dak isn't clutch. Dak is making mistakes. Dak got beat by a rookie. I, I get that conversation. I get Peyton Manning finally getting that Super Bowl to cement himself as uh, as good as his regular season stats as good as his run has been during the regular season right listen you, you look at the timeline here with Mahomes heartbreaker with the Rex Burkhead game and the AFC championship against New England they go win a Super Bowl they go lose to Tampa and then they get knocked off by by Cincinnati Cincinnati's gone from hot to good okay that's that's what they are as a as a, as a franchise with a head coach and a quarterback and, and a mindset. So if if Mahomes is 0-4 against Burrow in, in two years, yeah. But I think Cincinnati's got a better squad, and, and this is not the same Chiefs team with the same weapons. And I, I listen, if, if he's on one leg, it matters to me because – Mahomes could will himself in a shootout. He isn't going to be the same guy. He'll still be a great talent, fellas. But if he's if he's at seventy percent, you're going to take that over about anyone else. But it will make a difference against Cincinnati. Well, I kind of want to flip this question. What about Joe Burrow? I know he hasn't been in the NFL as long, but think about it. He goes four and zero against Patrick Mahomes in his first four meetings and back to back Super Bowl appearances in just three years, and say they go on to win the Super Bowl, maybe. What does that do for Joe Burrow already? Because that's kind of the same trajectory, at least finish-wise, that mm-hmm. Mahomes is on right now. So I think that could be, obviously, again, super early in his career, but Mahomes isn't all that old either. So legacy-wise for Burrow, he wins this game too, makes it to this another could Super Bowl. cement his, but I don't think it takes away from Mahomes's. That, no, and yeah, I, I agree with that. But it definitely skyrockets Burrow in just that conversation mm-hmm. alone with his legacy. But I guess you do have somewhat of a legacy being built of, of Patrick Mahomes when the, the lights are bright, not being who he was in the regular season. I'm kind of with you on this conversation here of saying that this is a long conversation we're talking about, but in those big moments, I mean, even go to the back to the Super Bowl win against the 49ers, he only had 250 ish <laughs> passing yards and what, 60 of those came on that one play to Tyreek Hill late in the game that kind of got them back into it? he got the one play to, he but, did. But he to did, Tariq. But he got the one play, and then losing to the Buccaneers, less than 250 passing yards. Last year, losing to the Bengals, less than 250 passing yards. There has been a bit of a stigma of Patrick Mahomes, and it's not by all his own fault. Remember back to the Tampa Bay game, he had no offensive line to speak of. A couple years ago against the, uh, the Patriots in his first conference title game, he had no defense to speak of there. So it's not all his own doing, but when the lights have been bright, he ne- not, hasn't necessarily been that same regular season guy that we've become accustomed to. 
they have Mahomes, they have Andy Reid, they have Travis Kelsey. Those three have made up for a lot of shortcomings with the rest of the squad Mm -hmm. uh, with their run. Eric Warfield, what's his take on Casey, the Husker standout next? Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment. It's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, part of the Nebraska Football Hall of Fame and a longtime Kansas City Chief. Talks of NFL. Eric Warfield joins us. And Warfield, we got you all front and center video wise for our, our stream viewers. And man, you got the, the old football living room set up here. I like it. Thanks for letting us in your home. <laughs> I got a straight bachelor pad. There's nothing fancy about this place. It's a TV and a couch. <laughs> now, I, I got to ask the question, based on some some things we've seen from the background of Schmitty's home over the past couple weeks, of him doing some shows from home, is your Christmas tree still up? That's a big question. No. You know what? I didn't even put one up this year. Respect. I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't so, either. Like, for me, there's no reason for me. I mean, outside of, of uh, the grand scheme of what's, what Christmas means, uh, there's really no reason for me to put a Christmas tree up. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and just just so you know, Mama got sick of you giving me hell about our Christmas tree. The Christmas tree, thanks to Elijah, got taken down, Warfield. <laughs> what is it? Is it the day after Christmas or after New Year's when it's supposed to come down? I think that that window between end of Christmas and New Year is is your. Is your time to get it done. Schmitty was trying to take it till February, though. No. Uh, when, you, when you take down the tree, do you take down the lights? You take down the, everything at once or just the tree? Warfield, I haven't helped with Christmas for <laughs> two decades. <laughs> I just fund it, okay? <laughs> so I don't help with taking down or putting up or, or, or any of that. So I'm a, I'm a bit of a bastard. But that, that is what it is. So uh, for better or for worse. So... Listen, there's there's a ton to get in here with you, and, and I want to stress level for you as a proud Chiefs alum with this ball game and, and Patrick's ankle. Are you freaked out, or are you you thinking, you know what, it's going to be a good ball game? 
if anybody says that they're not worried about this game with Patrick's injury, not just with Patrick's injury, but just for the simple fact that we're playing a team that we haven't beaten the last three games, mm-hmm. um, whether it's at their place or at our place, you know, they, we still haven't beaten them. Uh, and Joe is an excellent quarterback. I, I easily put him in, in the top. Actually, right now, top three. Just his demeanor and how he his poise throughout these games is it's unbelievable, especially how they started out and, and to get to where they ended. Um, you know, I heard the, the, the talk with, you know, Chase being upset that all the professional writers and owners, whomever else was going to put this game in Atlanta, thinking that it was going to be the Bills and the Chiefs and kind of overlooking them. Well, that's kind of how you played the season out. Like if Buffalo earned the number one spot, then yeah, that's what you kind of planned for. So he couldn't have been upset about that. And uh, just the game that they had over Hamlin's injury or Hammond's injury, um, you can't kind of overlook that either. So uh, I understand where they come from and, and the, the things that they've accomplished over the season. They've had a great run, a really good run this year. But there's some really good football teams out there, and they're, they are one of them. And I am a little bit afraid just because of the the record that they have against us and having Patrick's injury. But to see what Henny did going into the game, you know, that 98, 97, mm-hmm. whatever it was, touchdown drove, a drive that he had, it gives us confidence. You know, he's not a Patrick Mahomes, nowhere near it. Uh, but he gives us a chance. Eric Warfield's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Eric, I don't think we're probably going to know what the status of that Mahomes ankle is until he actually takes the field on Sunday. But I want to get your take on the Chiefs' defense. It's been a defense that's looked a lot better this season. They made some changes over the offseason. But this Bengals team still has a very dangerous rushing attack. It feels like their season has kind of turned around since they have leaned on their rushing attack a little bit more. And uh, that's how they won last year as well with uh, Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan. So uh, how do you think that the Chiefs counter that rushing attack? Or are you worried about what the Bengals' rushing attack can do? Oh, yeah, they have a good front uh, front seven total, uh, and they've been playing well. Even their secondary is playing well. You know, they have one of our guys, Cam Taylor Britton, mm-hmm. playing really well as a rookie. Uh, so you take your head off to what he's doing. So uh, we just have to – I think that we're – with a healthy Patrick, we're so – we're one of those teams that it's way too hard to read and kind of game plan for because you never know what kind of trick Patrick's going to come up with. Man, you can grand scheme us for all you want. And and, and it seems like uh, Andy Reid's playbook is so diverse to where it's so hard to really plan for. Um, and then not, not knowing what you're going to get from Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you can try to stop uh, Kelsey, who's been our front runner throughout the year, throughout the years. Um, and yet he's going to nickel a dime you with these other little guys that kind of come out and make the big plays for us. So, uh, but that's going in with the healthy, healthy Patrick and, from the front seven and the, and the pass rush that Cincy can generate. And we saw it this last game. They had a three-man rush and we're getting to uh, Josh Allen, which is kind of crazy. Uh, so if they can add that kind of pressure with a three-man rush, that's going to be scary. And and I think for us, what I kind of saw in the last game on a stat-wise that kind of surprised me uh, was Chris Jones doesn't have a playoff sack. You know, he's our best defender. And then we got to have him at some point – uh, put that pressure, and, and not just the pressure, but to, to get those those stats padded with, with, with some uh, hits on the quarterback. Eric Warfield with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, Husker Hall of Famer, uh, nine-year NFL vet, uh, long time with the Chiefs. I want to go to Cam Taylor Britt for a moment. And he's a guy that played early at Nebraska. And like you, 
he is playing quarter in the NFL, but also did time as a safety in Lincoln. He played both spots in Lincoln, and, and I know you were, were pretty diverse with, with your role in Lincoln as well. What do you think of, of Cam, his ability, and just how he's been able to, to progress as a rookie for that team? I love his journey. Um, love the things that he did in Nebraska. Wish we could have had him, you know, for, for all four years to help us turn that program around. And, uh, you know, him being in the position to where he was to, to be drafted in, I think, the second round. Second. Uh, and to come out and show he's, he's, he's worthy of it. Uh, it's, it's been fun to watch him play. You know, I'm, I don't get a lot of Cincinnati games here where I'm at. Mm. But I, when I do, when they're on TV, uh, I do watch him play. I, I, it's, it's fun to watch him play, and, and, and to see him uh, go out there and do his thing and have that interception at the end of the game. Heck, even outside of the interception, he was making big plays throughout the games. And to, to have big plays against Stephon Diggs and, and Josh Allen, you know, uh, that's that's great start of your your NFL career. Tell me about your transition safety to corner because you played corner at a high level in the NFL, but. Man, part of that national championship team in 97 as a safety. Yeah. Honestly, I had no idea that I was going to even survive the team. You know, I, I got that call from Marty on draft day. And he's like, hey, kid, we're going to move you to, to corner. You know, and, and at the time, I was just so happy to, to be drafted at sure. all. So you could have, you could have, he could have told me I was going to be a punter and I would have been excited for that. <laughs> uh, but going in, knowing that I got to cover some of the best athletes that are on the team, guys that are faster than me, guys that are quicker than me, taller. And I know that those island marks as well as they do, I didn't think I had a chance. And I was in a draft with Randy Moss. So coming out, you know, we had our first, well, not our first, but our training camps were in Wisconsin. So we had it up against Minnesota every year uh, just as a, a practice uh, before the season started. And I get to see this tall, lanky guy over here just demolishing guys. And we played him in the, the, the first year of preseason game. He didn't do much against me, but he ended up catching like a 10-yard interception at the end, near the end of, of, of our time of playing. And um, Adam Teicher, I remember the, the, the conversation. I told him, like, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to make this team. And Adam was like, dude, I thought you had a really good game outside of the one play that he caught in the end zone. But, you know, he, he's a first-round pick. So that, that's, that's what they got him to do. Um, but I just thought that after that, my career was going to come to an end. And – Luckily, uh, I had a great cast that I had that I learned from and James Hasty, Dale Carter and Mark McMillan uh, to show me the ropes and how to, to play the position uh, and to make that career last as long as it did. Let's talk about Moss real quick. Were you were you because you were always deed up against him and there'd be showdowns from time to time through your career. I just seem to remember that. Minnesota, obviously he went to Oakland for a time and then also in New England. I mean, you had you had a lot of matchups against him, but I don't remember them going bad. I mean, I really don't remember them going bad like they did against anyone who uh, tried to DM up against Green Bay. <laughs> I mean, right? There's no I did I did well against some a lot of those big name guys. Now I can honestly take my hat off and say that I really got my my excuse my language, my ass handed to me against Indianapolis. Um and that was mostly with Marvin Harris. And the guy, because, you know, there's a route tree that every receiver has to run. Mm -hmm. Now, when you deviate from that route tree, you deviate from things that we have learned. So when I'm used to covering nine routes that are part of that route tree, uh, that's what my body and my mind is designed to cover. 
Marvin had a different route tree. And Peyton would just sit back there and just wait for him to get open. And and, and they would make that thing work like, uh, you know, a marriage in heaven. But uh, uh, outside of that, I think I did really well up against a lot of those big name guys. And, and some of the guys that didn't have the big names, you know, I was lulled to sleep, you know. And that's the, 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 be, the, the best part of being a corner. Uh, what the Hall of Fame guys have done is that they're in the moment 24-7, no matter who they're up against. And that's kind of where I lost my focus. That was with some of those games, guys that didn't have the, the bigger reputations uh, of, of playmaking ability. Uh, so I did well against Randy Moss. I did well against T.O. I did well against a lot of those big-name guys. Uh, and, yeah, and, and some of the other guys, is, you know, it's like, hey, who is this guy that we lied out here and paid all this money to? Eric, when you talk about those those high-level guys, those high-level wide receivers, it feels like every team remaining in the playoffs has at least one of those guys. You look at San Fran, you got Debo Samuel, and I had Ayuk there as well. The, the Eagles have A.J. Brown. Chiefs have Kadarius Toney. Uh, the Bengals have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. When you look at those guys, um, specifically a cornerback's task with those guys, you want to keep those guys from beating you too bad. How much of your preparation or shutting those guys down on Sunday is done in the film room, seeing what these guys' tendencies are? Is it just you know, a battle of will when Sunday comes around. How does that work whenever you're, you're up against oh, these no, we're all in the film room. So uh, you have to watch, that, especially alignment, as to where they think they have a, 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 an advantage over you. It's certain spots on the field to where you know where only certain routes can be run. Uh, now, where you get in trouble is uh, when you start eating on a lot of those routes, that's when they set you up for double moves. Uh, which is kind of the, you know, I'm a big, I, I've enjoyed watching Diggs play here in Dallas. Dude had 11 interceptions last year, and all of a sudden it comes to this year. But a lot of his big play, even uh, the big plays against him last year, were all double moves. And when they catch balls on him, he's nowhere around because he, he jumps on all those. And so that's the hardest part because you get with these guys that are really good without the double moves and can beat you without them. But once you start playing them well, and they throw that double move in there, you, you're gone, and there's not much you can do about it. You, you know, they tell you to commit the pass interference to try to grab them, but at that point, <laughs> you're nowhere near the receivers, so it's six points. But it, it, I love the challenge of going up against those guys with the reputation. It, it brings out the, the competitor in me, but the, like I said, the, the worst part on my side was getting a guy that was maybe like a T. Higgins who wasn't the best receiver for Cincinnati, uh, but he gets enough plays. And so I'm sitting there playing good against him, and all of a sudden uh, I'm out of the play. I'm just guarding what I, th- what I think I'm seeing, and yet he's up the sideline for six. So it's just one of those you just got to stay in the moment. Tarek Warfield with his Hall of Fame Husker uh, NFL vet with the Chiefs, stalking Chiefs, Bengals, Hale Varsity Radio. Be sure to check out Eric's podcast and video show, Chief Concerns. I know uh, Chiefs fans love catching you on that. Uh, find Eric on Twitter at EA Warfield 44. Eric, about a minute here. And then we'll take a quick break, and I want to get your take on Nebraska before we say goodbye. But Bill O'Brien back to New England. I know you spent a year with the Patriots. Yeah. Kind of put into words the, the, the Patriot way from your experience. That is a professional organization. Uh, not to say that the Chiefs weren't. Uh, but when I got to New England, as opposed to what I was my most majority career in Kansas City, it, it, organizations were run completely different. Uh, Top to bottom, basically. 
Uh, and we were more old school in Kansas City compared to what New England was doing out uh, out there. And so there's a difference in, 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 in how you prepare, how you study. Uh, practices weren't the same. Uh, your meals weren't the same. Your time at the stadium wasn't the same. You know, we had Wednesdays and Thursdays were our worst days. You know, that's full pads. Well, they didn't do that. You only do full pads one day, but it's half the day you take those things off. And you're out on the field basically for like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Um, so it's kind of like they had evolved way sooner than what the rest of the league had done. You know, and you go in and you got your sh- chefs there preparing your breakfast, got your chefs there preparing your lunch. And uh, a lot of that stuff we didn't have in Kansas City. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they have it all now, but it was just completely ran different. And what's is another crazy thing from what I understood throughout this, uh, I would say Belichick way type of thing, is that a lot of the coaches that have come from under his tree haven't been that successful on their own. But when they're all together under him, you know, things seem to work out really well. But I think that was more so with him and Brady as a duo too. Uh, but yet, you know, Coach Belichick is a great one. I, to me, uh, the best that's ever done it. Uh, I didn't get to see a lot of the older guys before. So uh, I've enjoyed watching the Patriots and how they played their games, how they've been so successful, especially with Brady. And so maybe that duo can come back together and get them back on a winning train. But the way Miami is looking, and if they can get a good quarterback to stay in the game consistent, they can run that that comp. That, easily because they got a lot of talent down there like what you hear high quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at hail varsity i'm brandon vogel managing editor i wanted to offer listeners of the hail varsity radio show podcast ten dollars off the price of an annual subscription that means that you can get everything we do 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Tarek Warfield with his Hall of Fame Husker uh, NFL vet with the Chiefs, stalking Chiefs, Bengals, Hail Varsity Radio. Eric, uh, before we say goodbye, Eric Warfield with his thoughts on Nebraska, Matt Rule. He's come in and he has lit the world on fire in recruiting. And he's already known as, as a developer and a guy that just likes to go get a, a fit for what he wants. You know how important Texas is. You live down there. Nebraska's been living uh, in Texas here this 2022-2023 offseason recruiting. I'm happy. I've been happy with every coach that we've signed so far. You know, I'm in support of whatever the university does. And until we get six or seven wins uh, or more, um, you know, that's when I can really say what we've done is a great job. Everybody's excited for Matt and what he's done with his career. We were all excited for Scott and what he had done with his career, and it didn't pan out. Now, I knock on wood and keep my fingers crossed, hoping that things are completely different with with Coach Rule. So, um, I'm just excited to see what he brings. Other than that, I can't really speak on what he hasn't done yet. And so, you know, you can come in with the greatest resume and it doesn't pan out for us. I just hope that it does uh, and within a short period of time. 
Eric, we, I've loved talking X's and O's with you a bit today, so I want to get your take on some X's and O's with uh, a new-look Husker defense. The 3-3-5, supposed to be a pretty multiple defense. Have you ever ran a 3-3-5 defense in NF? Not, what do you know about it? I don't think I was ever a part of it. Um, again, it all sounds good until you, it's played on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, if it doesn't work, then what's what's the point of, of, of a 3-4, three, 3-5, three, or or whomever you got out there. You know, we, we have to find us a player like a, a, a Nandamakan Sue or Levante David, or that's going to be a playmaker, that's going to be a difference maker. Mm. Um, so whomever we got, we got to have one of those guys, at least one of those guys. Mm. And I don't think we've really had one of those guys in years to be the one that you can count on or that can, that you can hold, that hold accountable to go out there, talk the talk, but also walk the walk. With your defenses that were championship deep defenses and teams, you had complimentary football, you had great offenses, your defenses were incredible, never even a, a worry about special teams. And, and, and you guys won a lot of ball games and you had a lot of talent, and then you had depth that also played in the league behind guys that you were in front of. Yeah. But, but how did Coach McBride and Darlington and that defensive staff get you guys to mesh? I don't even know if it was a coach's thing. Uh, for one, not say like that. I, I, I don't think it was a Darlington McBride thing. It, basically, it started with Coach Osborne. Sure. So he brought a, a different type of respect in an aspect where I had never been around a coach that didn't yell, that didn't cuss, or you know say bad language. And all of a sudden, you're around you're around a guy that's proven uh, soft voice. Uh, knows every single thing about you and every player on this team. And yet, uh, when it comes down to it, you know that the guy next to you is going to make the play that he's supposed to make. So you you know that everybody that you're with is accountable. Um, And we didn't have that one guy that was just a difference maker. We had a few. You know, Grant was a dog on our defense. Jason Peter was a dog on our defense. Mike Minner. Like, we had players that were just – legit playmakers um and when it all came down to it we had those meetings but when it came to coach Osborne having to speak you paid attention because you knew a guy that had your best interest wanted the best for you to where you would go out and give 110 percent effort on every single play eric warfield with us eric it was fun to catch up with you thanks for jumping on the stream with us always always man and we'll uh, we'll see you soon and thanks for a few minutes Sounds good. Have a good one, guys. Good stuff from Eric Warfield. The uh, full video of Warfield uh, will be uh, uploaded to the YouTube channel, Hail Varsity YouTube, where you watch the show. Also, ESPN, Lincoln, and Facebook, Twitter, and the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. Can watch the show all those ways. Can find the podcast segments or for or full show, uh, Spotify, iTunes. Google Play, give us a review, give us a like, tell a buddy, and uh, and, and download uh, what you like, what you want, and also Coffee and Cream, Damon and Andrew, weekday morning 7 to 9, ESPN Lincoln, Omaha's ESPN 590. So we've spent some time on the, the Matt Rule build, the process. He got a little bit clearer, his own words, with Will Compton and Taylor Luan, the Bussin' with the Boys podcast. Of course, Will and Company was here for the Michigan game a year ago. 
Uh, Will's been on the show a few times and uh, excited to uh, to share a few snippets. There's some some snippets of the the episode. We encourage you to go listen to the full thing, obviously, but some snippets out on social media of the Matt Rule interview that got released today and a little bit more from Coach Rule, guys, on on the slow rebuild, and that's not part of this equation for Nebraska under Matt Rule. I don't want this to be a slow burn. I want to start off because I feel like that year for them was last year. And the thing that I respect about the team, because this opportunity was around for a while and I was just watching games. And what I respected about Nebraska was the players, they had just lost their coach. They had some tough losses along the way, but they just kept battling. And like, to me, that's half the battle. Like if you can get a group of people to commit to playing hard and fighting, even when you're kind of out of bowl contention. Like if you go to Iowa, the last game of the year and Iowa has to win that to go to the big 10 West and you beat them, there's something in that locker room. Pretty impressive. So Nebraska, as they kept clawing and scratching and fighting towards the end, uh, sent their own message guys to potential coaches out there. Yeah. They're not, where they want to be, yeah, there's another coaching change. Yes, there's transition and turmoil, but, man, the uh, there's a, a lot of the right character in that locker room. And I think what Matt was saying with that comment was something that we hit on back in the first hour, which he's kind of saying, I'm not inheriting a locker room here that doesn't want it, that doesn't want to go win football games. They just haven't known how to go win football games in the past couple of years. But he's saying, like, you know what, if you saw – the product they put on the field on Black Friday against Iowa, you, you know there's want to in that locker room now. It's, I think if you read in between the lines, he's saying, now it's my job to bring in some more talent here and make this a finished product. But this is not a, an issue with Nebraska of not having enough talent or, or not having enough want to within the team because they've shown that. They showed it last year. that They, they didn't go away whenever things didn't go their way, and they, they came back and got a big win at the end of the season. It's him saying, you know what, I just got to put it all together, show these guys how to win, and put some guys in, in some places here in order to, to put us over the top and get us over that hump. I think that's what he's saying is is there is still rebuilding to be done. There's still a lot of work I need to be done, but it might not be as bad as some Husker fans think. That's just my read-in-between-the-lines analysis of what he's saying there. Guys, you're both uh, young. Uh, you've done the college thing, Elijah. You've also done the renovation thing from a construction standpoint. And Connor, you're you're a college student, so I imagine your your living situation's pretty sweet. But you may have some friends that live in those old rickety houses because they're well, they're cheap, and you can spend more on booze. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's two ways to go about it. Where it's a high end rebuild, renovate, and you you, you take something that may be not as glorious and glamorous, but man, it fits with your budget and you're going to make do. I think as you look at the, the Nebraska prospect, the curb appeal's always going to look good. It's just how bad's the interior decorating been, right? And and are, are, the, are the floorboards warped? Is the uh, foundation shrinking? And, and I don't think so. I just think you've just not had the right landlord for a while well, you're, right now you just as you said you, the the wrong landlord or, or that you've had a landlord in general you've been renting this house out to college students they've it's gone been a while since he's had the old carpet uh steam cleaned yeah it's like, <laughs> it, the house has been uh, dirtied up just a little bit but you're coming in and you know what it's a house on a nice block 
the curb appeal is nice. You're just the crappy house in the good the, block. The, and the neighbors don't want to hate you. Yeah, and, and the question is, as you're walking into, is you're seeing some pauses around the house, and it's a question of, man, how much renovation do we need to do here? How, how many? I mean, do we need to go rip out all this lath and plaster and put in drywall? Uh, do we need to go rip out the carpet and, and put in new carpet? Do we need to put down stuff over the old hardwood floors? It, that's what the question is right now. Is there I, a murder in the living room? <laughs> <laughs> it seemed that way a couple of years ago. <laughs> Jesse Pinkman lived there at one time, and we need a new bathtub. But I mean, with that comment, it's like, yeah, there's there's still potential with the house. You know what? We might need to sand these hardwood floors and refinish them, but we don't need to tear them out completely. <laughs> Parts of them, maybe. Parts of them. Yeah. And that then that may be part of the specifics of the line of scrimmage, right? And and you're looking at the uh, the, the talent acquisition and the development phase of things. But I love the the revamped and redo the the flip this house analogy because it's been it's been a talking point it wasn't a talking point with the riley era wasn't a talking point with the bow era it was focused on the 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 rebuild and the runway with with frost and rules really not embraced the 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 challenges oh man it's it's going to be hard it's going to be difficult he kind of looks at this as like man just underutilized or there's a lot of value here he he gets that a little bit more and squeeze in uh more from coach rule in his sit down with will compton on the rebuild process i don't know how good we are yet i don't really think but like i just know this i, don't, I know that we're starting from a place of like a big physical looking group and i think we've done a good job recruiting so far and you know the, they changed football on me during my time away now like we're already up to like 32 players that we can sign. Like when I got to Baylor, I can only sign 25, 20, you know, I could find a way to sneak somebody in there, kind of some unique rules, but I have more options available to me right now. So I'm excited. You know, I, I just want us to be the kind of a team. And sometimes it's hard when you have a fan base that's really passionate. I just want to be the kind of team that's really humble. Like, Hey, we feel like we can win every game. We also know we have a chance to lose every game. So let's just, let's just work, worry about today. Like I got guys talking to me about the bowl games next year. I'm like, Whoa, Let's just go to the weight room, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, that's fair. But you do have guys that are starving for that that have stayed here. And it's it's wore out so many guys that that's their time in Lincoln is, okay, I, I guess I was a part of the Music City Bowl, but really no more remnants of that roadie to Nashville. And that was 2016. Yeah, there's no That's forever. Problem. No, I mean, it, 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 they're gone. I mean, you had some of the super seniors that went when they were freshmen. JoJo Doman, this was his first year in the league. Uh, do we have time? No, we don't. We'll have more on Coach Rule with Bussin, his uh, fit with Nebraska, some of the values that he'll bring to Lincoln that need to be in that locker room, and then what needs uh, improvement. The topic of ping pong and adjusting to the new college football. He also... He gets, he knows the history in Nebraska, Colorado. The Buffs have uh, tweeted out uh, the episode portion of Nebraska CU and, and lots of uh, respect. So more with uh, Coach Rule, his sit down with Buss at a tail varsity presented by Currency. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. A few more minutes here. It's Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence and Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore 27. So uh, I heard that chuckle. No, I know. I just caught myself <laughs> and I just imagined uh, the Pride of Fairbury, Professor Dolman, Writing F underscore F underscore F <laughs> on the uh, the whiteboard in the classroom. Yeah, that just paints a target on your back for the rest of the class. Now, not only the fact that that he called you up, but the fact that it was you he in called front out, of like, the class. Yeah, that is oh, now. There like was a, always a target on it, even before the class started. But, but <laughs> now it was from Dolman. Now the rest of the class looks and goes, "Well, this kid already knows Dolman. Like that's no fair. Like, mm. like they're going to be gunning for you now." Uh, and this is both of your faults. Because no, <laughs> you wandered in here on Fridays. <laughs> Look inward. Look yeah, inward, yes, Connor. You're yeah. the one who made that Twitter handle. Accountability. <laughs> Accountability. Uh, podcast is where you can find the show. If you miss part of it, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Also, Hail Varsity Magazine and the uh, digital edition, HailVarsity.com. Get your subscription today. And the new issue is out, and it's got uh, more on Coach Rule, more on recruiting in Texas. You can get a uh, special when you subscribe, hailvarsity.com backslash offer is where you go. More from Coach Rule with uh, Will Compton from their drop with Bussin with the boys. So the fit here, his fit, Coach Rule's fit with Nebraska. We've talked about that build and how – Rule doesn't want to wait forever for uh, things to pay off. Nebraska has gone too long without any success, and the further you wait, the harder it is to get back. Despite NIL, despite facilities, despite Trev Alberts, despite knocking on the door and being in a lot of big ball games here the last two years, you have not won any of them. They know that. It's time to get that flipped. Here's from Coach Rule. A big lesson that I've learned is to make sure that I am, my plan is similar to the plan of the people that I'm around. You know, what happened in the NFL, like, you know, sometimes you have differing views. And so when I talked to the athletic director, Trev Alberts, who had played there, he believed in the same things I believed in. So it's not like I'm trying to convince him, no, this is the way to do it. Trust me. Like, he's like, no, Matt, I see exactly what you, how you feel. Um, Ted Carter, who, who's, who's the president of the university, like when I talked to him, he was the admiral at Navy when they were running, when they were rolling in the triple option and we went down there and beat them. So he knew what my teams looked like at Temple. He was like, Matt, just build that team here. Like that physical, like I want to run the ball yeah. and I want to play defense. And that's not, some fan bases don't really like that. Like some fan bases, like if you're not going no huddle spread, they don't want to come to the games. Nebraska people want us to run the football and play defense. They want us to dominate the line of scrimmage. They want us to be physical. And that's kind of who I've always been. So those things all came together. But the biggest question I had was, can we recruit here? Yeah. Like, can I get players here? And I actually looked at Michigan. I looked at Ohio State. I looked at Penn State. And whereas maybe, maybe, maybe 15 years ago, Penn State or Ohio State, you know, most of their kids came from that state. Everyone's kind of recruiting nationally now, right? Mm-hmm. So I went back and said, let's watch the kids. There's some really good football players in Nebraska. 
I thought, hey, you know what? We can get players. Because if we get good players there, we'll coach them, I think, and we'll play hard, and we'll, we'll find a way to win. And um, I took a shot. And my wife knew it the whole time. She was like, this is the place for you. Really? Said, oh, yeah. I've been married for 20, 24 years, 20, going on 20. Like, I've learned to listen to her. She said, this is the place for you. This, this is where you fit. Because she knows the way I want to play football. I, I want to go out there and just make it a battle of physical wills. And I think that resonates with people in Nebraska. Good stuff from Coach Rule. And, and you always, it's a reality, guys. It takes a special coach and program to understand what Nebraska is, how unique it is, and to, to recruit here. You've got football in the metros and in the state and in the outskirts of different parts of the state that's it's as good or it's better than it's ever been. So you have more to choose from here in state. You've got elite training going on with the Warren Academy. You've got other programs infiltrating and taking away. I mean, that Notre that, Dame was in Ainsworth two days ago? I, exactly, right? And so it's not that there aren't players here, but you've always had to recruit nationally or at least 500-mile radius regionally. And you do that to keep kids here. If they're closer to home, they're not going to leave, right? I mean, that it's, it's all part of the process. But for Rule to really look at it and say – you know, you're just it's it's just a different era now where so okay, who are the programs we want to look like? And that's um, that's rules thought bubble. I'm I'm paraphrasing. We being Nebraska, if I'm coach rule, I'm going Michigan, conference champion, Ohio State, college football playoff, Penn State, eleven and two Rose Bowl. Here's your consolation. Okay, a hell of a good consolation. And that's who Nebraska is going to need to beat and be in it. But first, you got to beat Minnesota. First, you got to beat Northwestern. First, you got a lot to do, a lot to do before you, you start worrying about the big dogs. But he gets that Nebraska needs to be a big dog. That's why he got brought into this party. And uh, it kind of gets into, I think, the next cut we're going to get, which is the, the core values. Like You want to go look like the, the Penn States and Ohio States and make it a, a battle of physical wills in a football game, as he said. It, it starts with what core values do your team represent and, and play like? Like what, what are you instilling within your team to get that out of them? Here is Coach Rule on that core value. I had my first team meeting last night. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those guys, I don't let cameras in. I'm not going to be a camera following me around. I want it always to be the players. But there's, there's, a, um, there's a book called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. In, in it, they have 10 scrolls. And there's one called The Scroll Mark III. It's, I will persist until I succeed. And it, at one point it says, it's this long, you know, if I read it to the team, I start off by reading it to the team. Yeah. And it basically says, you know, I am not a sheep. I refuse to walk, talk, act, think like a sheep. The slaughterhouse of failure is not my destiny. Um, and, it's, and so it's like, I am a lion. Like, so Boy, like... Going. So, so to me, going. life reading that out loud to yeah. me. I want to keep but, hearing this. Oh, I, can't, oh, I can't do it. I have it on my phone. But, <laughs> but, but that, that's like my life first. Like, and that goes back to what I said. What happened to me? Um, when I say happy, when I got fired. It was like all these things I've been saying to players forever. Hey, control what you can control. I have this little saying like, what's next? Like, hey, what's whatever happened? Good, bad. What's next? I literally had to wake up every morning and go, what's next? <laughs> control yeah. what you can. So I, I am so clear minded now. Like, hey guys, like. The, all we're going to ask you guys to do, not be perfect. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm, just be a lion every day. Attack everything in your life. And that's really how I see it. So, you know, our core values are we want to be tough. We want to be hardworking. We want to be competitive. I mean, I want them to compete at everything they do. I want them to work hard. And I want them to be tough. I want them to overcome overcome the excuses of life and just attack everything in their lives. And so 
if they are those three things, tough, hardworking, competitive, then we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll build a big physical team that's, that's sound and smart and accountable. Got to find those guys that are willing to be that, mm-hmm. but identify the talent and then get them into the buy-in portion. Because if you get talent with those three core values – I mean, that's going to win ball games. And do you want to hear that full slaughterhouse quote? I have it pulled up in front of me. It's pretty good stuff, especially with where Nebraska's been. It's, I was not delivered unto this world in defeat, nor does failure course in my veins. I am not a sheep waiting to be prodded by my shepherd. I am a lion, and I refuse to talk, to walk, to sleep with the sheep. I will hear not those who weep and complain, for their disease is contagious. Let them join the sheep. The slaughterhouse of failure is not my destiny. I will persist until I succeed. Was that from the Bible? Uh, it's from whatever the the like it. That, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, it it's under the Old Testament, like eye for an eye. Goodness, but it's like a, a perfect motto for this team with where they've been with all the one score losses over the past couple of years. No, absolutely. Final thoughts. We wind down a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity, and we're presented by Currency. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff today. Big thanks to Mitch Sherbin and Husker standout and longtime Kansas City Chief Eric Warfield. Tomorrow on the show, we'll... Hang out with Mike Babcock and Andy Markowski. Husker basketball moved to tomorrow night. You know that already. And uh, Thursday, uh, longtime Husker assistant, uh, longtime D coordinator for Coach Solich at Ohio. Proud Papa trying to get back to the Super Bowl, watching his son Jimmy Burrow get to be with us on the show Thursday. Final thought here from Coach Matt Rule. We've covered the rebuild in the building process, his fit, his fit and plan uh, with um, his sit down with Will Compton and Bussin today, his core values, really good uh, inspirational quote. And now this is what's needed improvement wise when he arrives. I think the biggest thing for me is making sure that all the, all the most up-to-date training and recovery modalities are part of our process. You know, like everything from uh, uh, massage work, body work, to cupping, to scraping, to um, sensory deprivation tanks. I really believe in all this stuff. I believe that one of my one of the most important jobs for me is to make sure my players are as healthy as possible. And the culture of recovery and regeneration, all that, like either A, schools have a bunch of stuff, but guys don't use it, or B, they don't have it. And so I think, you know, one of the things I can do for these guys is really help them with that process. Like, the reason I had a chance to be a head coach in the NFL was because I had so many guys in mind that were kind of later round drafted guys that went to the NFL that were ready to be pros. And, you know, anybody can get you to the NFL, but who can who can teach you how to be a pro? Like who can get it to where you get a second contract? One of my goals for my guys is to always make five million dollars after the rookie contract. Like mm-hmm. that to me is a goal. Like get through your rookie contract. Let's make five million more with your second contract. And then then after that, it's all gravy. So I look at it like how do I invest that into them? Well, I, I put all those, we have all these resources. Let's not spend them on waterfalls for recruiting. Let's spend them <laughs> on things that can help our guys train, uh, recover, be as healthy as possible. And so that to me is something that if we do that at a high level, will really help our players because healthy team wins a lot more games. Uh, and they absolutely, if you can stay healthy in November in the big 10, 
that's a monster kudos for you. You have a better shot of winning. We we anti-waterfall? Not necessarily. I mean, it sounds But he's right. Let's get a cryo machine in here or a cold tub or a hot tub or whatever. I have no earthly idea what they have from a, from a therapy standpoint down there. Uh, from my tours at the facility, it seemed like uh, the popular one post-practice was they'd have the big cold tub mm-hmm. right next door. They'd have the, the big hot tub, if you will, and then the, the guys would shift between cold tub and hot tub. You go 10 minutes ten in the each. cold tub, 10 in the hot tub, flip it back and forth a couple of times. So that was the main thing I saw guys using. And if you remember that video the university released about the new facilities where they kind of did a flyby of all these new innovative things we're going to have within the facility, it sounds like that was something that Nebraska was planning on improving before Matt Rule even got here once that new facility gets opened up. Well, is there such thing as the cryo chamber? You would think. Because people have that option here. I, I don't know off the top of my head whether it's going to be within the new facility or not, but mm. you, one would think with how much that's taken over, not only pro sports, but I'm, college I'm sports. I'm sure it'll be added. All right, fellas. We'll do it again tomorrow. Talk to you at 4. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Get your podcast with Hale Varsity Radio, Hale Varsity YouTube channel, and, of course, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, we'll talk to you at 4. Thanks for tuning in. A Huda Media Production.